Ross Greenwood, and these are the Money Minutes. Which stock market's faring better today's or 1987's? Qantas's last flight of the jumbo, plus coronavirus test or work. Which is more important? Great to have your company for another episode. And that, my friends, is the sound of sausages frying. Just have a listen. Oh, think about the onions. Think about all those bunning sausage sizzles. No, I haven't gone mad. The reason I'm playing you the sound of sausages frying is because it's one of my most favourite stock market terms. And that is that you buy the sizzle and sell the sausage. Now, what it really means is that you should buy in when the hype is there. But when the reality hits, you should be well and truly clear. And it really goes back to the old mining days. I can remember I probably heard it first in the 1980s. And in those days, of course, the sizzle that you bought was when mining exploration companies put down new holes and there was great anticipation as to what they might find. But of course, when the cold light of day was to be revealed and they had to show you what was in those holes, they had to reveal the information. Well, you were best to be well clear of those speculative mining companies because if it was wrong, the stock market would, would collapse. Well, right now, to a certain extent, there is plenty of sizzle around in our stock market. The question is whether you should be buying that sizzle, but looking out for opportunities to sell the sausage. Yesterday, the government, necessarily I would suggest, added more sizzle to the stock market. It was up by 2%, as it probably should have been, because in the stock market's terms, the government yesterday, by extending the Job Seeker, Job Keeper program, pretty much gave away free money to investors. It's not really free money. You and I both know that because it's a situation whereby that free money is something that has to be repaid by taxpayers. It might be you, your kids or your grandkids, but it's borrowed money. Now, the second part about this is what choice did the government have? Because it's staring right now in the face of significant collapses of companies in Australia, leading to significant unemployment, which would then lead to a fall in the housing market. You can see where that all goes to. The banks, of course, would have to carry the can. So to a certain extent, the government did the banks a really significant favour. We'll get back to the banks a little bit later on because I want to talk about the dividend policies, APRA, and exactly where they go to. But I thought talking about sizzle and sausages and all that type of stuff today, I'd take you back to 1987. I just Because I was there in 87 when the share market collapsed, it was almost like one of those days when a massive dust storm comes over and you think, wow, this might never happen again in my life. It was really quite eerie in some ways because people did not know what would happen next. You know, there were people suiciding in in New York because of the extent of that stock market fall. And I can remember seeing the old open outcry system in Melbourne going down there and looking at it and going, this is historic. You kind of knew. Because at the time, people were really suggesting that the stock market fall was really the predictor of the next Great Depression. It was pretty bad, but it wasn't. But certainly it was our last significant recession that Australia has seen. So what about this time around? So let's go back to the stock market then and we'll have a little bit of a a think about where it was and where it is today. Because it's interesting just to note that The stock market in many ways 
Well, they've both been hot and both hit all-time records. In the case of 1987, the stock market hit its all-time record some five to six weeks before the collapse. This time around, the records were about a month beforehand, give or take. This time around, the stock market from its peaks, as I say, around a month before the absolute lows, well, it actually fell by 37%. So go back to 1987, it was 48%, nearly 49%. This time around, 37%. So the fall in 1987 was significantly more violent than this fall that we've experienced with coronavirus. Now, okay, if you take the lows of both markets as the base, and then we bring them forward to where we are today. So that low happened on the 23rd of March this year. So if we bring it forward until today, as we're sitting here, which is the 22nd of July, and you sit there and see that the stock market since that low has picked up by around 36%. 36%. At the same time, In 1987, the stock market, at the same time in 1987, the stock market had picked up just 12%, 12%, whereas this time 36% or so it's picked up. So it gives you an indication that these are quite different circumstances. And as a result, the stock market and even what people are imagining might be taking place in the future they are clearly seeing more of an upside, a bright side to the future of our economy and to life now as compared with what they did in 1987. As I've told you many times, 1987 ultimately triggered the recession that we had to have in Paul Keating's terms. It was really the, the significant you know, change to our tax system, industrial relations system, superannuation, all these things largely came out of the back of that recession. The question is, what's going to change this time around? Because do bear in mind, as I've been telling you, there are really positive signs out of the work being done with Oxford University and AstraZeneca for a potential vaccine. Now, you really cross your fingers and hope that it does come back. But what's happening here is there's no doubt that many people who are watching the stock market are really watching for a significant bounce back in the economy, almost an instant snapback. I personally think they've been too optimistic. I personally think there's a bit of a technology bubble that's actually occurred in our stock market right now. But it's also fair to say that the bounce back is largely off the back of the tens of billions of dollars that the government has poured into the economy. So let's go back to a couple of those final stats from where our share market is today compared with 1987. From its all-time highs, and remember that was about a month before the crash happened this time around. If we bring it forward now to the 22nd of July, the stock market is just 15% below its all-time peaks. Whereas at the same period after the share market crash in 1987, the stock market was still 42% below those all-time peaks. So that tells you something about the mood of investors then versus now. And though we might be in recession right now, it's probably a situation that people have not given up hope. Well, one person who doesn't appear to have given up hope is Wayne Byers, who's the head of the Australian Prudential Regulation Authority. 
Now, Baez is a man who's charged really with making certain that our banks and insurance companies remain secure, no matter what the economic situation. And it was a situation where just a while ago, APRA came out and indicated that it felt that banks should be careful in terms of preserving capital at a time when coronavirus was clearly playing havoc with our economy and economies around the world. Now, the interesting point is today he's given a speech. And in this speech, he's again deferred a decision until next week to give banks guidance about what they should do with their dividends. But he does say that given the fact we told banks to be careful going back a few months and those few months have gone past, it's now time that something should happen. But here's the interesting part that he came out with today. He indicated that based on data to the end of June, about 10% of all loans in the banking system have already had their repayments deferred. Think about that. One in 10. It works out to about 800,000 loans in Australia. Those loans are worth about $269 billion. Now, what he's saying is the idea originally when they said that banks had to be careful and that they had to keep supporting the economy was that they were trying to avoid a cliff after September, which, as we told you, was a key point where all sorts of things, including originally the JobKeeper allowance and the ability for companies to trade while insolvent, all this would sort of come to an end. But he's now giving indication that he believes that maybe things are better than what they could have been when these first forecasts and uh, pronouncements were made back in April. So that's the good side. The second side of it doesn't really give you a bit of a hand if you're a bank investor. And the main reason for that is because you're not 100% sure as to whether you really should go out there and buy those bank shares that the dividends are going to be restored because do bear in mind that the ANZ, Westpac, Bank of Queensland all cut their previous dividends. The National Australia Bank cut its dividend and the Commonwealth Bank, the biggest of them all, is due to make another announcement about its dividend in just two weeks' time. So I don't think really at this stage that Wayne Bias has given any real hint. So the, the point about it is that Right now, I still think that regulators and government are sort of treading really carefully around this whole economic situation. They're just not sure what happens at the end. But common sense, to my mind, still says that though things are better, and even though the hope of a vaccine is now potentially coming closer, that you've really got to be sure and conscious of the fact that not every company will survive. Not every job can survive. That's what the Reserve Bank governor told yesterday, where he said unemployment rates will rise from here. But as I say, Wayne Byers, I'm not sure, gave bank investors today any real comfort about where their dividends might be into the future. Have you ever seen Sydney from a 747 at night? Yeah, Sydney shines such a beautiful light And I can see Bondi through my window way up to the right Yeah, and the curling waves on a distant break And the sleeping city just about to wait Have you ever seen Sydney Now there are the sounds of Paul Kelly singing about the 747 I think one of the finest engineering achievements in mankind's history. If you consider the jumbo jet developed by Boeing 
Its first test flight was held before man landed on the moon in 1969. It's estimated that there's around three and a half billion passengers have travelled on the 747 since it came into commercial service through Pan Am, an airline which, of course, has disappeared, but the 747 has gone on. Now, the truth is that the Super Jumbos, their viable life has come to an end, but it doesn't make the accomplishments and the achievements of the 747 any more diminished. Today, there was the site of Qantas's last commercial 747, leaving Sydney and heading for the United States. Now, the truth is that Qantas has said it will go away from these large aircraft. Consider also that Airbus last year indicated it will stop the production of the A380, its version of the Super Jumbo. The reason is that new aircraft types, new manufacturers, manufacturing types like the Boeing Dreamliner 787 have made really um, airlines cheaper and more affordable. And especially in these days after coronavirus, with the whole international travel scene completely wiped apart, it makes it much, much harder. But anyway, let's go to the Qantas boss, Alan Joyce, when he was announcing that Qantas would be ending its 747 flights. While it is a sad moment that we're seeing the retirement of these amazing vehicles, the queen of the skies, it is also a really exciting moment for us. And that bright future he's talking about is, of course, these new types of aircraft, um, which are more fuel efficient, uh, which are able to, to, to be switched in and out of different routes more easily. In other words, it's more flexible. But now stop and just think about that 747. Think about the families that have been reunited. Think about the people who have been taken away from harm's way as a result of a 747. Think about the business that's been done. Think about the, the travels that you have had as a result of a 747. And think about the fact that it was the airliner that shrunk the world. That's what they called it. The queen of the skies. And you just sit there and think about the human accomplishment. And that is one of the finest. There's no doubt in my mind. The internet, of course, in the future will be seen to be one of the other great accomplishments. But long before the internet, the one thing that made people around the world understand each other better and to connect, it didn't take away some of our differences, but to be able to connect, to do business, to look at each other. That was down to that Boeing 747. I'll say, to a certain extent, to me, it's kind of sad it's disappearing from our skies because it was such a, a giant, not just as an aircraft, but also in terms of the way in which it changed the world. Grim news out of Victoria today with 484 new cases of coronavirus recorded in the past 24 hours. Uh, now, the Premier of Victoria, Daniel Andrews, is under significant pressure right now. Criticism of him and his government for the use of private subcontractors to look after the security of hotels that were effectively in quarantine. Uh, and this is where it would appear that many of these cases have got out, or, out from. Um, at this stage, they're suggesting they won't go to these so-called stage four lockdowns of Victoria, but that can't be discounted given the number of new cases. Um, the other part about this is he got just a little bit angry with his own community today about their own behaviour and standards 
as they're awaiting test results. Have a listen to this. In the main, it won't be exclusive, but there is a large proportion of these people who are making these choices because in their judgment, uh, they'll look at their bank balance, they'll look at the fact that if they don't work the shift, they won't get paid for the shift, they don't have sick leave. Uh, this is a commentary on insecure work. It is a commentary on this as a feature of the Victorian economy and our national economy. That debate, though, can wait. We can have that debate. It's a very important debate to have. We can have that debate another time. So I get his anger, but remember that there's a lot of anger being directed at Daniel Andrews and his government because of that whole issue about the virus getting out in the first place. Maybe because they didn't actually go to the federal government, as they were encouraged to do, to allow the military to come in and look after that security. Anyway, that being the case, bear in mind that increasingly more Australians are going to become desperate for the money, and particularly in Victoria. Because for a lot of those people, if it's a choice of earning an income to be able to pay their rent, keep their kids with food, or indeed, you know, waiting for the results and not doing it. Now, I understand how hard it is, having been somebody who came across the Victorian border into New South Wales. And as I pointed out to you on this podcast, the New South Wales government had no idea that I'd crossed the border. Didn't have my name, my telephone number, my address. It was only that I chose to do what I thought was the right thing to lock myself down for those 14 days. Now, that doesn't make me a hero. That just, I think, makes me a bit sensible. But the fact of the matter is, there are people who perhaps don't have the ability as I do to look after myself. And if it's choice of going completely without or going to work, and that may be one of the reasons why those number of new cases continues to accelerate. I'm Ross Greenwood, and these are the Money Minutes.